was a kid, there was a place. A dark place. They closed it down and let it rot. But the things that lived there... ride the bus this far north you're running away from something hey everybody welcome back to the luck at all podcast this is your host elias roush today we are discussing dr sleep the sequel to the shining so if you have not seen the shining i would recommend go back and checking out the shining i originally saw dr sleep and i was a little bit unfamiliar with uh, the Shining, um, you know, I haven't seen it in like four or five years, but I was aware of it. So I kind of went into it cold at first. So I watched Dr. Sleep and then went back and watched The Shining, but I would recommend watching The Shining before you go into Dr. Sleep. Uh, it definitely helps with fleshing out, uh, the world and the characters. Um, so Dr. Sleep, Dr. Sleep is the sequel to The Shining and it is directed by Mike Flanagan and written by, uh, Stephen King, based on the novel Dr. Sleep. Also, uh, Mike Flanagan is on the screenplay. This stars Rebecca Ferguson uh, as Rose the Hat and Ewan McGregor as Danny Torrance. Uh, Carol Strykrinjic, sorry about that, um, as Grandpa Flick. And uh, Cliff Curtis as Billy Freeman, as well as Zon McLaren as Crow Daddy. Um, we've seen Zon McLaren and uh, amazing works as uh, Fargo and Westworld. Um, but yeah, we have a pretty stacked cast uh, when it comes down to it. Rebecca Ferguson, most well known for, uh, uh, what is it called, Mission Impossible most recently. But this is probably one of her best roles. And I did like um, Ewan McGregor as Danny. I will say this two-hour and 31-minute movie does feel very much... Um, not just like a horror film. It's it's categorized just as one, but I mean, there is so much more to it than that, than just that. Um, it was. Uh, let me see if I can find any more information on that. I don't really see anything else. But anyways, let's talk about the synopsis. Years following the events of The Shining, uh, now adult Dan Torrance meets a young girl with similar powers as he tries to protect her from a cult known as the True Knot who prey on children with powers to remain immortal. So, uh, Dr. Sleep, when it first uh, starts starts out, it is um, very much taking uh, elements of The Shining and kind of reincarnating it in a way, we are instantly transported back into the Shining universe. However, this movie, I think, is best when it strays away from the Shining elements. So the the overall, uh, you know, the pros, the cons, the pros, the music, the acting, the casting... Um, it very much has this uh, uh, superhero horror esque uh, movie style. The editing and cinematography 
The camera work done by Mike Flanagan is spectacular. We've talked about Mike Flanagan before on uh, previous podcasts, such as, uh, was it The Haunting of Hill House that he was most recently uh, known for? He's also uh, very well known for uh, being the producer of Hush, Gerald's Game, and uh, Haunting of Hill House most recently, as well as uh, Ouija, Origin of Evil, I believe. Um but one thing about this director is uh, most people can agree that he is only getting better with time. He's very much, you know, the, the wine of his genre. You know, he's um, definitely improving with everything, uh, with every narrative step he makes in his, uh, you know, directorial decisions. Um, I will say the uh, the camera work was, was pretty amazing in, in uh, some scenes that just blew me away. Um, let me see, let me see. So, uh, I, I did talk about the one problem about this movie kind of happens towards the third act of the movie is what I'd say. Sometimes movies don't always have the best third act. Sometimes you're just entranced by the first two thirds of it and you're like, oh, this is a quite a balancing act, juggling act. Can we... Can we land this plane? Can we land this amazing journey? Now, I think the ending is going to be hit or miss for some people. Ultimately, I think it landed on a pretty good note in a way that uh, this movie, for the first two-thirds of it, was in my top ten. And at the very end, I think it still remains in my top ten. It's just going to be a little bit closer to the bottom. Um, And like I said, the majority of the movie does... It, it does feel like it's fleshing out the world of The Shining in in a way that makes uh, narrative sense following the uh, the act the the character of Danny Torrance. But um, overall, I um, I really liked it. I would give it an eight out of ten. Um, best friend is in in the movie is Cliff Curtis, and he's. Not really the comedic relief, but I do feel like this movie would have benefited just a tad bit from a little bit of uh, you know, comedy right right up, just a tad bit. Um, the pacing toward the, towards the third uh, act of the movie is where I kind of started to feel it uh, sh- turning its wheels a little bit in a way that didn't feel narratively correct, or it didn't feel like it made narrative sense for the direction that they were going. Um, let me see. Okay, so the the cult that is in here. I think this is an excellent idea. I think cults are scary as hell. Um, Rebecca Ferguson as Rose the Hat, she is phenomenal. I'm telling you, she is phenomenal in this movie, and I couldn't say enough good things about it. I think she's got a look that is transcendent and... Uh, I love just the hat that she wears and the creepiness of the movie. There's some certain scenes that happen in the middle of this movie that just blew me the fuck away. I was not ready for. I was not ready for how intense and graphic it was going to be in some spots. I don't really want to say too much about it because it kind of feels like it's leading on spoilers, but. It, there's a lot of young actors that have to portray, you know, scary moments in this. And if you don't like to uh, watch that, then this is probably not the film for you. Um, but yeah, let's go ahead into the spoiler section.
right now. So at the beginning of this movie, it really leans heavy into you having knowledge of characters that are in The Shining. And so the beginning and end are very much parts of where The Shining is uh, related to or referred to the most. And there are homages that happen throughout the movie towards the end that do feel a little bit crowbarred in, in my opinion. I'm... Still a little fuzzy in the dark why everything happened to, had to end at the Overlook Hotel besides the fact that it's called, uh, or besides the fact that it is the sequel to The Shining. I don't really feel that it was supposed, it, it was necessary to be there. It felt a little bit jarring to have to go all the way there. But anyways, this overall story is a struggle of fighting addiction, abuse, mortality, and dealing with grief. I mean, there's tons of things that, uh, characteristics that this movie is uh, exemplifying. I think there's some really sweet scenes uh, focusing on um, Danny um, comforting elderly folks as they pass into, as, as they die. And I I was not expecting these scenes to be so sweet honestly. I was I was quite um moved by it and um I think that is some of the best scenes we get with Danny. Um and I'm not really sure if we get a full-fledged um emotional turn from him. I Ewan McGregor can can play so many different roles and he really just entrances himself in the role although there is this little sprinkle of it is always Ewan McGregor um you definitely see him at his lowest at some points and then you see him at his highest and it takes me it took me a while to realize that this movie was actually following kind of several different plot lines and it was the the Danny plot line and then we have uh Kyrie Curran as um Abra and I love this new actress. She has been in hardly anything from what I can tell. Um, sorry, I meant to mention her in the spoiler section, spoiler-free section, but she's only been in I Can, I Will, I Did. And this is her second um, movie, but she is phenomenal. She's playing kind of like another young individual who has these psychic abilities. And just having her on screen is is amazing when she's kind of the proxy for the audience, similar to how Danny was the proxy for the audience in The Shining. Like, any time in the movie The Shining, uh, something crazy was happening, normally Danny was the one that was witnessing it. And so um, Kylie Curran's character, Abra, is the one that... uh, it's kind of playing that younger character. Some it's kind of like sort of passing the torch in a way. Um, one thing I really like about this movie is the world building. I feel like this really builds on top of uh, what's going on in the world. Um, I was extremely uh, sorry. I was not extremely. I was. I wasn't lost. I was just. Um, Um, at some parts, I could say I was lost, but not to an extent where I was like, okay, I, you know, I've lost the movie. It's just parts where there's Easter eggs and maybe homages and things that they're referencing or places that they've been 
that I don't remember immediately from The Shining. And so it made me want to go back and check it out again. And so uh, a couple things. Um, The cult eating people's um, shine, that was absolutely one of the most horrifying things I've ever seen on television, mostly because... We have little Jake, uh, one of the good boys, Jacob Tremblay. We uh, just covered uh, Good Boys not too long ago, and we know how, uh, uh, you know, innocent this kid is, and the you know the children that are shown. It reminds me very much of the It Factor, um, another Stephen King you know movie and adaptation that has been made of you know kids in violent and crazy situations. Um, yeah, it's it's absolutely horrifying. So, um, that one scene with Jacob Tremblay, just, it was extremely hard to watch. And that was the one I don't, it makes it hard to recommend this to mothers and parents and stuff like that. But, you know, to each their own. Um, yeah, I did, I mentioned the, uh, The Shining is basically the telekinetic, psychic, psychic magic that these people are um are gifted with and um yeah i i had saw like i said i saw shining i don't know how long ago and i don't even remember that the shining was uh referenced in there and it was explained um by i think his name was dick halloran or something like that it was the guy that was in the original Shining that was kind of explaining to Danny what was going on. And we actually get Dick Halloran at the beginning of this movie explaining to Danny, uh, at young Danny, and he, uh, you know, uh, there's there's these ghosts and you need to... Uh, he, he teaches them how to lock ghosts in, quote-unquote, imaginary boxes. And so that ends up coming around at the very end of the movie he releases the monsters out he releases the ghosts from the overlook out to go get um to get rose the hat at the very end um i completely i completely bypassed the part where rose was kind of reenacting what jack uh jack nicholson was doing in the shining i completely forgot about um i you know the the slow walk upstairs that he did toward his wife and Danny is kind of in the place of where his mother was except the tables are a little bit turned uh you know we got Kylie Curran on there Abra's there and there's a lot more quote-unquote psychic power abilities going on around here and it's a lot more uh supernatural than let's just say the first The Shining was at first I think if you go back and watch The Shining, it very much just plays as a uh, a psychological claustroph- claustrophobia um, experience. But then you go back and watch again, you realize it's much more of a supernatural experience as well. Because there's things that happen in The Shining that are unexplainable um, because of that. So, um, let me see. Anything else we need to talk about yeah the steam stuff was uh that was pretty intense i didn't realize at first that the cult was going after some of the strongest people that have the quote-unquote shine and that they were trying to either recruit them into their own team or to um you know bring them on to to take them out 
because um, that's what they wanted to do with Abra. So a couple things. The ghost, let's just talk about the old lady in the bathtub. Um, old rotting lady, I think. It's definitely an homage to... Well, it's not even an homage. It's, def, it's, it's a straight-up character from The Shining. And even in The Shining, I'm not exactly sure what that was supposed to mean. I wanted, Some people speculate that Stephen King did not... Well, it's notorious that Stephen King didn't... It's notoriously known that Stephen King did not have a great relationship with his father and that The Shining was a way for him to get that out. And some people say that that specific part in The Shining with this lady in the bathtub, um, Jack Nicholson kind of uh, approaching her and whatnot, some people say that might have something to do with sexual trauma or his father's infidelity, which would make sense. But... Um, I don't. There's things that happen in The Shining that are unexplained intentionally, um, so this could be one of them, and it's kind of leaking into this Doctor Sleep movie, you know. So, um, yeah, the the old lady is back. We see Danny still talking to her in the bathroom, and at the very end, we see Abra talking to her. So, is she got the shine? Is she possessed? Is she? Whatever happened to Danny is it passed on, and what I'm not really sure the consequences of having this old lady in the bathtub, except that she's still under some sort of maybe somewhat overlooked spell in a way. But I'm just speculating at this point. Um, it's not explicitly said. Um, there was one amazing scene that really gripped me, and it's the shifting of this. Uh, window so abra is trying to attack uh rose or she's trying to lead her on in these like uh, psychedelic trip trippy sequences in a way um which are amazing the abra grabs onto the window to to figure out where rose is and then the room flips up and she is suddenly dangling as if the window is on top of uh, over her head instead of in front of her and it is some trippy ass uh, camera work that Mike Flanagan's definitely bringing in the cinematography as well is uh, fantastic. Um, let me see the Okay, so at about the middle of the movie. Sorry, it's it closer to the closer to the end, right before they start to lean in heavily into the Overlook um, stuff. The, for some reason, characters just decide that it's okay to start shooting cult members um, with like sniper rifles and hunting rifles and stuff like that. I don't know, maybe just rifles, maybe not snipers, but um, guns. And it feels so out of left field that. I heard, uh, I think his name's Chris Stuckman or something on YouTube. He was talking about that it felt like it turned into an action movie. And I kind of agree with that. I remember watching it and I was like, this feels so out of left field this, just to have these uh, supernatural 
beings being taken out by a gun. It didn't really feel like that was the way that you would address taking out something supernatural. If, you know, Ghostbusters are not running in there with, uh, you know, a, a shotgun or something like that. They're using stuff that makes sense within the world. And so I don't, the way that they take out these cult members is a little bit weird. It, it, it feels out of left field. I know that they kind of wanted them to suffer in some parts, uh, just because of how terrible they were. Um, but geez, it, it didn't exactly ring true to it within this realm of worlds. I thought, um, the crossfades, I, I wrote this down. I was like, the crossfades are insane in this movie. I thought we would, it felt like there was a crossfade about every 10 seconds. And I was like, this is excessive. I was like, this is feeling way too rushed in a way that The Shining did a little bit. But I don't remember The Shining doing it to that extent. And so when I went back and watched The Shining, they did. They absolutely had crossfades, you know, left, right, and the other. Um, but yeah, the cinematography on um, on The Shining is very impressive as well. Um, let me see. The reason this do- he's called Doctor Sleep is because he's helping people go uh, pass into the quote unquote next life. You know, uh, Doctor Death in a way. Um, sleep is kind of a metaphorical way of talking about death in this movie. And so that's what some of the older folks talk about when they're passing on. Um, like I said, really sweet scenes. Um, anything else we need to cover? Um, he sees his pops as the bartender in the Overlook Hotel. I At first when we saw him, I was like, holy shit, is that, the, is that Jack Nicholson? And then I realized they, they recast him, which is probably the best idea. Um, did kind of look like him, not 100%. It kind of, you know... Not quite Jack Nicholson, but uh, dude did look crazy, and and Jack Nicholson has those crazy eyebrows and you know crazy looking hair and whatnot. Um, <laughs> but uh, let me see. I do want to say okay, okay. So uh, let me see. This is on Wikipedia. Danny decides to return to the abandoned Overlook, believing it is as dangerous for him as it is. Belie- believing it is as dangerous for Rose as it is for him and Abra, he starts up the hotel boiler, explores the building, awaking it in the process. Danny visits the room where his father, Jack, influenced by the Overlook, attempted to murder him and Wendy. At, at the hotel bar, Dan is offered by a bartender who strongly resembles Jack. Okay, so that was why they went to the um, Overlook because they believed it was dangerous, and yeah, I would I would assume so. Kind of in the middle of nowhere, this big ass place with a bunch of creepy ass ghosts. Yeah, definitely not a great place. Um, let me see anything else. Uh, oh, Billy, Billy. Uh, let me see. Cliff Curtis is Billy. Um, I I like Cliff Curtis. I just don't think this was his role. I really do think they should have uh, cast someone else. Just with a little bit more... Uh, you know who... So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let me see. Anything else we need to 
do um yeah that's a uh, that's about it i like i said oh 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 uh billy i thought he should have been uh maybe a more comedic actor someone an actor that we would have just uh I don't think Ewan McGregor and uh, Cliff Curtis bounced off each other in a way that would have made me feel a little bit more emotional at the end. Like, I, it, we're kind of like, oh, no, Billy at the end. But I didn't really feel like we lost anything, you know. So I definitely felt like we lost more in The Shining when we lost some of the characters in there than this. But overall, this is still an amazing movie. I, You know, I would like to have... Uh, Doctor Sleep, The Shining universe now. I mean, it seems that they've really opened up the possibilities. And it's killing it in the uh, box office. So, yeah, why not? Thank you for listening to the Doctor Sleep 2019 review. Check out all the Lug Dog podcasts at Lug Dog Podcasts on SoundCloud, YouTube, uh, Twitch. We're all over the place. Facebook, Instagram, all the social media links. If you want to help us out, uh, paypal.me slash podcast keeps on the lights, keeps us streaming, keeps us looking good. Um, thank you. Um, and take it easy. Be sure to eat well and live long, which is something I really liked uh, uh, Rose saying. I thought some of the lines that she was given were, you know, such in a way that just rope you in and, and, and pull pull you closer to her. Um, but yeah. Thank you for listening. They're coming. Where are we going? There's a place. You run, dear. And then I will find you. And you will scream for years. Come play with us forever and ever.